Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey everyone, how are you? It's Denise, and I am your host of the Work Life Brilliance Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am winding down just an incredible, incredible Thanksgiving week. And I know you aren't listening to this on Thanksgiving week, um, but you know how hectic the holidays can be. Mine has been just blissful. Lots of relaxing, lots of connecting with my daughter, but it's now a day and a half from Monday, and I am starting to feel the stress creeping up. Lots of lists of things I haven't done work-wise in the past week that are going to need to get addressed, and I thought, hmm, what perfect time to talk about stress when I'm just on the cusp of this relaxation and now coming back to reality. As I know you can all relate to, whenever you have a vacation and you come back and things feel overwhelming and chaotic. So we're going to talk about stress today, and I'm going to talk about some tips that I've written about in a guide you may have downloaded off my site, brilliancinc.com. It is called Break Stress Now, and this year I have a new and improved updated version of it that is gorgeous, thanks to Susanna. And A lot of you already know a bit about stress because it has been written about and talked about so much in the past few years. And so you probably already know that some stress is necessary and good. That kind of stress is when we feel focused, when time goes by so quickly and at the end of it we feel good. We feel either we accomplish something And that may have been playing a basketball game or finishing our taxes, whatever puts you in flow. But that kind of stress, unfortunately, is pretty rare. And most of us are experiencing the kind of stress that puts us in the danger zone, the kind of stress that leads to insomnia, or if it's not addressed, high blood pressure, autoimmune disorders, and just plain crankiness that can affect our relationships. You also probably know that our environments, our schedules, our work environments, our habits are exactly the opposite of the environment we humans were designed for. And I think nobody puts it better than John Medina, the hilarious and brilliant author of Brain Rules, who writes, our evolutionary ancestors walked about 12 miles a day. Can you imagine that? Forget 10,000 steps. They, They walked 12 miles a day. And he goes on to say, if we sat around the Serengeti for eight hours, heck, for eight minutes, we were usually somebody's lunch. But man, do we sit in our modern times. We sit in traffic, we sit in meetings, we sit at our desk, we have instant messages coming at us, office politics. It all creates the perfect storm for the wrong kind of stress. And that is the stress created by the sympathetic nervous system, or the SNS. When we have the sympathetic nervous system response, we dump cortisol and adrenaline into our bodies. 
which is okay if you need to flee from a lion, but it's definitely not okay on a day-to-day basis. So what we need to do is turn on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the only way to shut off the SNS. And there are a lot of ways we can do this. We just forget to do it. So I am going to give you some reminders about ways to turn on the parasympathetic nervous system, or PSNS, and, um, and then I'm going to invite you to pick just one, just one to start doing right after this podcast or even during this podcast. So there are a lot of things besides our environment that can produce sympathetic nervous system going on. Um, one is physical trauma, as most of you know if you've been listening. Um, let's see, about 45 days ago, I was hit by a car when I was crossing the street. And my nervous system is still recuperating. I still have tingling in my hands, um, which means my, my nervous system going down through my spine does not have enough space. So that was physical trauma. Um, people who are in what feels like unsafe relationships, and that doesn't mean just that you feel like you might be physically assaulted. It means you can't be yourself. You walk on eggshells. You feel like you're never seen. Um, Research from Dr. Amy Banks shows that that is the leading cause of damage to the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is this third nervous system that is so vital, so important, so misunderstood, that gives us our gut intelligence and runs through our lungs, our heart, our face, and it regulates the tug of war between the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. You know what? I'm just going to stop saying that. We'll just say PS and S. So the other thing that causes our sympathetic nervous system to be on too often are our thoughts. Surprise, surprise. I know that comes as no surprise for those of you who have been listening to me, but our thinking produces emotions that dumps cortisol into our system. So we're going to give you some tips to manage all of those things. I don't know why I said we. I'm singular. Uh, So I am going to give you some tips that will um, be things that you can do so discreetly, nobody even knows you're doing them. It's just a matter of getting in the habit of doing them before you need them and when you need them. And the first one, so easy, so important, and so effective. And that is to take a deep So come on, let's do that together. I want you to just take a deep breath and then let it out. So good. Anytime you are feeling stressed, that is the most important and fastest way to turn off the sympathetic nervous system. So I know a lot of people are into meditation and I have tried it. I've tried it many times. I wasn't so great at meditation because what I would do would just let the same nagging, complaining, victimized thoughts circle through my head. And I would watch those. And I know you're just supposed to watch them detached, but I didn't like it. It didn't seem to lower my stress. If meditation works for you, go for it. Do it. I have some other tips that you can try. Um, One is use, use an app rather than just trying to sit and watch your own thoughts. An app like the one um, on the Calm app, there is a breathing bubble 
that you can use and you can dial it up or down to the uh, number of breaths per minute you want to take. And the visual and the auditory distraction can make it easier to just breathe and get distracted from your thoughts. But one of my favorite techniques, and I have so many of my clients doing this now, is the yogi breath. So to do this one, I want you to do it with me right now. Unless you're in a car, and then um, only if you're stopped at a stoplight do I want you to do this if you're in a car. Safety is most important. So first, I want you to imagine a beam of light running from the tip of your head down all the way to the bottom of your spinal column into your pelvis. All right, you got that? It's a beam of light. When you breathe in, I want you to imagine the light going down through your pelvis into the earth and spreading out like branches. And on your out breath, I want you to imagine the beam coming back up through your head, up into the sky, and branching out into the sky. Again, when you breathe in, the energy is going to go down into the earth. And when you breathe out, the light and the energy is going to go up into the sky. You only need to do this three times to feel much, much calmer. You can do this before you walk into a conversation, before you walk into a meeting. It is available to you anytime and nobody knows you're doing it and it takes about 30 seconds. Another one that I have all my clients doing is called the reset breath. Now, this is an ancient technique. Uh, I first learned about it in Sharon Melnick's Success Under Stress. This is another one you can do in meetings and nobody will know you're doing it. And it involves putting your fingertips together. So fingertips touching, and it looks kind of like you're holding a ball, an invisible ball. Now, you can have your fingers in your lap, you can have them on the table. It's not pointed, it's just soft. And then you can use any count you want. The trick is just to use the same count on the in-breath, the hold, and the out-breath. So you could start with four, or you could start with five. And you want to do this for about three minutes, and longer if you can. But you'll notice a significant difference if you do it for three minutes. I notice a difference if I do it for one minute. But you breathe in while your fingers are touching for a count of four. You hold for the same count. You exhale for the same count. And then you just pause without accounting the pause. Just let the pause be natural. And when your lungs decide to naturally inflate, which they will do without any help from you, you do that again for the same count. And you just keep repeating this. Now, it's hard to remember to do this when you're anxious, but that is the time to do this. So you might want to practice this just when you're calm and you're intentional about it, maybe when you first get up in the morning. But this is the one you do when you have been recycling the same anxious, worrying thoughts. Maybe you're stewing about something that happened at work, something that somebody said to you, something you're worrying about happening in the future. Sit down, do the reset breath, and you'll be yourself again. Right, so those are my favorite techniques. They're sneaky. You can do them anywhere. Nobody has to know. And you will be the calmest person in the room, which means you will be the smartest person in the room because you won't be in monkey brain or lizard brain, whatever you want to call it when we get hijacked by our primitive brain. All right, the next tip 
has to do with reducing the feeling of overwhelm. Now, overwhelm is a sensation that is caused by a thought. And the thought might be, I have too much to do. Or another thought that leads to overwhelm is, I don't know what to do. Or, it's too hard. So when you notice that you are feeling overwhelmed, the trick is to do something really small that you can complete. So the one I talk about all the time is cleaning out a junk drawer. Maybe it's cleaning off your desk. Maybe it's um, folding the laundry. It doesn't have to be a big task. It just needs to be something that you can complete. I highly recommend you do not have email be any part of this tip because it is so hard to feel complete with email unless you click delete all and you completely delete your whole inbox. But guess what? In about 10 seconds, you're going to get another email. So do something non-technology related. Although I will tell you, the other day, um, I cleaned up all my apps and organized my apps and deleted apps off my phone, and that felt so good. So when I say technology, I'm speaking mostly of email. That doesn't count as completing something small. And the next tip has to do with other people. Now this is a twofer. When you help another person, you get distracted from your own troubles, you get a nice shot of oxytocin and serotonin, and somebody gets helped. So you need to do this locally. <laughs> this isn't about sending a donation. This is about uh, paying for the uh, coffee in the, for the person behind you or asking the person sitting, out the, sitting outside the coffee shop, hey, would you like something? And then going and getting it for them or keeping dollar bills in your console that you can always have one for somebody who's in need. So it's not about waiting for somebody who needs help. It's about being proactive about it. And man, you'll feel so good. And it almost feels selfish. It feels so good. The next one has to do with movement. I'm going to call it movement instead of exercise. So I was reading Dan Pink's book, When. He is so good. I was actually listening to the book, his audiobook, And I, he could be an actor. His voice is so great and so compelling. Anyways, Dan Pink, When. And he talks about the science of when to do things. And so much research has shown that in the afternoon, if you get outside and walk, even if it's in a city, just walk somewhere where there are trees, anything where there is nature, you will get such a boost in your mood. Now, if you are at home or if you are in the gym, if you can move to music that you really love, so it doesn't have to be lifting weights. You don't have to call it dancing. Just moving to music that you love, that will give you a huge endorphin release and you will feel so much better. And of course, whatever movement you like, whether it's running or walking, if you can do it in nature, it's going to be terrific. But even in a gym, listening to great music or reading a great podcast, listening to a podcast or reading a great book, that's all going to lower turn off, actually, your sympathetic nervous system. All right, the next one I'm going to try and describe to you because you don't have a picture in front of you, but it's actually quite simple. And it involves your middle finger. And not the thing that we tend to do with our middle finger when we're stressed, but an acupressure technique. There is a calm point 
on the inside of your middle finger between the first and second knuckle. And you can reach it with your thumb on the same hand. Just tuck your thumb underneath your index finger and press the fleshy part. Now I have met one person who couldn't reach this part. So if you can't, you can always use your other, other thumb on the other hand to touch the point. It doesn't matter if it's your left hand, your right hand, it works on either hand. So touching this calm point will invariably lead to you taking a deep breath. It's just crazy. You touch the point, you take a deep breath. This technique got me through my recent MRI. So I went into the MRI pretty cocky and confident. I said, I've done these before. I'm not claustrophobic when they asked me, but it had been like 20 years, people, maybe 25. And I had forgotten what it is like to be put into the MRI machine. And I just assumed since it was my neck that they were gonna scan that my body would be outside of the MRI. And then next thing you know, I am all the way in this tube and my eyes are open and I can see the bolts and they felt like they were three inches above me, the steel bolts holding, holding that thing together. I went into severe anxiety mode. So I pressed the little buzzer, they pull me out, I said, okay folks. And I asked this question, I said, so what do you do when somebody has a panic attack? And they said, oh, well, we usually uh, cover their eyes and we put some citrus scent beneath their nose. I said, okay, those are good. Great. So I was going to have two of my senses distracted, which was helpful, but it wasn't necessarily going to change my thinking. So I touched my calm point, and then I repeated this three-word mantra that I learned uh, from Wayne Dyer that is in Sanskrit and just translate to love, knowingness, bliss. Sat, Jit, Ananda. And man, I went from panic attack to, can I stay in here? It was so relaxing. I was cracking jokes when they were asking how I was doing. So much of a difference, all because I was able to turn off my sympathetic nervous system. And I also managed my thoughts at the time. And I told myself, back when I was thinking originally, there's no way you can do this. That was my first thought when I had the panic attack. And then, before they put me in again, I said, you in 20 minutes are going to have answers. And you are so lucky to be getting this MRI within 10 days of your accident. Most people would probably have to wait longer. So after 20 minutes, you are going to have a great gift. So I told myself that thought, touched my calm point, said my mantra for 20 minutes, and it was so relaxing. Crazy. Right, next tip is just to laugh. Spend time with people that make you laugh. This is the best reason to surf the web. Find videos that make you laugh, something short that doesn't take up a lot of time and leave you feeling guilty that, oh, I wasted so much time. But laughing is proven to stop the sympathetic nervous system and just make us feel so much better. The next one is about accepting what is. Accepting reality. Byron Katie's book about this is called Loving What Is, which is quite a stretch for many of us. But man, is it such a good book. You know, I know you've heard me say this, so if you haven't picked it up, pick up Loving What Is. And it will make you feel silly for the things you blame about, you uh, blame other people for or complain, complain about. So my favorite way to detect that I am not 
accepting what is, is the word should. So maybe as of today, you are going to start noticing when you say should. When you hear this word, you are in magic wand territory where you are suddenly acting like you can change reality. I love Robert M. Sapolsky's book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Zebras do not say should. They do not think, hey, that lion should not want to eat me. Or that jaguar should not have chased us. No, they just accept that's how the animal kingdom works. So that mean boss who always yells at you, he's like the lion. You wishing that he shouldn't or thinking that he shouldn't is not going to make him change. It's like you're trying to wave a magic wand around this person or your spouse that doesn't pick up their socks. Stop shooting and just pick up the socks if it bothers you that much. So this one takes a lot of practice. And if you are intent about lowering your stress, that could be a good motivator. I love Stephen Covey's very simple model for this. So if you are sitting at home, you can draw um, on a piece of paper three concentric circles. The smallest circle, the pathetically small circle, is the circle of control. Those are the things that you have absolute control over. The next circle is the circle of influence. Those are things that if you strategize correctly, you might influence another party to do what you want to do. No guarantee, but with the right plan, you have a good chance. And then the outer circle, this is the big circle, is all the stuff you can't control. Stuff like the weather, the sun coming up, unfortunately daylight savings time. And when you say should, about those outer two circles. You are putting yourself in crazy town because you will go crazy or your stress levels will go really high. So the trick is to notice when you're doing that. And should is what I think is the fastest way to notice that you are living in this belief that you can affect things that are outside your control. So be like a zebra, accept it, get over it, and go back to your business. All right, the next tip has to do again with overwhelm. And I'm gonna give you this kind of sick quote that you've probably heard before, but it's from Mark Twain. And he said, eat a live frog first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. So his live frog was a metaphor for that thing you really don't want to do and you keep putting off. And it keeps weighing on you because you know you're going to have to do it at some point. So whether it's your taxes or updating your resume, cleaning your closets, we all have a frog in our day that we procrastinate. Unless you're my mom, who is terrible at procrastination, as we may have talked about before. So this makes us so stressed. But when we do the hard thing first thing in the morning, the rest of the day is on flow. We feel so productive. We feel so proud, so calm, and everything else feels easy. And we don't have the residue of guilt that we keep dragging around when the frog is still waiting. All right, the next tip has to do with our brain's tendency to think negative thoughts. This is part of our programming. 
We are programmed to think negative thoughts five times as often as positive thoughts. But if you stop and pause, you can shift that. So this tip is all about how to amplify positive thoughts so you get a different ratio. Instead of five to one, maybe you can get two to one. You're never going to think all positive thoughts. That's just not going to happen, nor do we want that to happen. But different ways you can do this that are really simple. First of all is just to pause and think about something and someone you are grateful for. Gratitude negates negative emotions. You can also imagine a great day ahead of you. Visualize some meetings you have, some conversations you have. How are they going to go? What are you going to do to make them go wonderfully? You can catch people doing things right. Set an intention to look for people doing things well and to comment on it. This will also help other people have more positive thoughts and lower their stress. Next tip is another physical one, and it's just to smile. I was thinking back to my time when I first entered the corporate world, and people used to say to me, smile, can't be that bad. And meanwhile, I wasn't thinking anything bad. I think I had resting bitch face, RBF, yes, it's a thing, or resting jerk face if you're a guy. I don't know who coined the term, so don't be mad at me if you don't like the term. But it's when your resting expression looks angry or bitter or whatever emotion somebody applies to you. But when you smile, whether it's a fake smile or a real smile, and research has shown, two different researchers did studies that showed that people had positive stress reactions and chemical reactions in their bodies when they smiled, even if it was a smile forced by holding a chopstick in your mouth. So there is something about, and it has to do with the vagus nerve, I believe, um, which runs through our face. When we activate the muscles that create a smile, we actually feel better. Now, I started practicing this, and now I just find myself grinning all the time. It's just weird. I'll just notice I'm in the car, in traffic, and I'm smiling. Don't really connect it to a thought. Sometimes it's connected to a thought, but it's more of a habit now of my facial muscles. The next tip involves your mind and your ability to visualize. All of us have a place where we've been in our lives that we just felt blissful, or at least most of us do. Or we have an image we could conjure up of where we want to go that we can imagine feeling blissful. So I want you to think about that time and really imagine what it looked like. And if you want some help, you can... Pull up a picture off the internet and put it on your screensaver or your phone or your refrigerator or your mirror and have that handy whenever you need to relax. And maybe you could combine that with the breathing. The next one is another one that has to do with other people and our thoughts. And this one is for the advanced stress busters because it's forgiveness A lot of people think that not forgiving, holding a grudge, makes them strong, as if it protects them from being hurt. Well, first of all, other people can't hurt you, and we'll do another podcast about this, but only your thoughts can cause hurt. So people can do whatever they want, and you can deem it something that was hurtful or not, but regardless you can decide whether or not you want to let it go 
like the zebra with the lion, or whether you want to hold the grudge. Now, you will not hear zebras on the tundra talking about, hey, can you believe that lion? Oh, I can't believe what she did. I am never, ever going to invite her to our party again. No, they don't hold grudges. They just get on with it. So the hardest part about forgiving is deciding to forgive. So maybe Gandhi will help when he said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. You are strong. So be strong and drop the grudge and feel the stress drop from you. All right, a few things not to do. You've heard me say this, but nothing will cause stress faster than watching or listening to the news. So just don't do it. Read the news. And even then, if that doesn't feel good, just read the headlines. And if that doesn't feel good, don't read the news. You cannot escape the news. You will hear people talking about it. You will see headlines as you're walking down the sidewalk and look at the newspapers. So you will not become uninformed. You just won't be as stressed out as everybody else. And don't peruse Facebook and Instagram. Or if you do, really manage your time and do it very intentionally. Because these tools were built to suck you in. And negative emotions are the more powerful ones, the ones that are going to keep you online longer. And they want you online because the more you're online, the more data they're getting from you and the more they can control you. So why would you want to give them that gift and increase your stress? There are so many other things you can do with your time. You can read a book. You can listen to a podcast. You can clean your closet. You can have a conversation with an actual human being. You can write a thank you note or a thank you email. And you will feel so much better. So I want you to pick one thing that you want to start today. Maybe it's something you tried while I was talking. Uh, maybe it's something you're going to try brand new whether it's noticing your shoulds or a breathing technique or listening to a certain podcast, touching your calm point, I want you to pick one thing that you're going to do before bed tonight and that you are going to commit to doing every day. And then see how that works and add something else in. And um, I'd love to hear how it goes. And you can send me any tips that you've gained at denise at brilliantsync.com. And I want you to be an example in the world of somebody who goes through this crazy life that we have and recognizes when they feel the stress and does something about it to lower the stress. And then people might ask you, how are you so calm when everybody else is so freaked out? And you can tell them and you can be the hero. And crazy is contagious, but so is calm. So let's be the calming effect that the world needs so ridiculously bad. All right. I hope you've enjoyed this one. I've had fun with it. And I've got some great topics coming up for you that I'm very excited about. For now, I want to go and um, savor the rest of my vacation. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Oh, and please don't forget, if you are interested in being a participant in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, which is amazing, where I get to coach amazing people and you get to be coached anywhere, anytime, because it's online. Go to wlbacademy.com. And I look forward to seeing you in the program. All right, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes.